Peter Griffin is with us now, tech journalist. Good morning, Peter. Morning, Catherine. Uh, before we get into the Taylor Swift story, which of course has just uh, put on steroids, an mm. issue we all knew was uh, coming at us, mm. um, because it's picked probably the biggest star in the world, what was your take this morning on the um, a DC hearing, the Senate hearing, where Mark Zuckerberg actually kind of did apologise for harm? I thought it was the old, I apologise if anything I've said has offended you, but it actually was an apology to parents who'd lost children, and it was also linked back to the company by saying this is why we're working on things. Yeah. But what did you make of the whole thing? It was pretty pretty emotive. I think he was he, 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 that was his only response. He couldn't get away with anything else. But it really is a rerun of what we've seen on Capitol Hill in the last sort of four or five years where the big tech... Uh, CEOs or summoned to and, and and have to flagellate themselves in front of lawmakers who really don't understand how the technology works. We saw it with uh, Cambridge Analytica, with market power, monopoly power, and all of these sorts of areas. This is much more visceral and emotive and a, a good way for lawmakers to score some points with, mm-hmm. with their voters. But ultimately what is going to happen, we know that a lot of harm is done. We have a situation where the messaging platforms that are used to groom young children are starting to go dark because of in- encryption. Um, Zuckerberg has a vision. Dark, in other words, no one can see it. Yeah, so no one can see it. And, and it, it removes a bit of responsibility for Zuckerberg. He can go, well, I don't know what's going on on these messaging platforms. I've encrypted them. So it's your personal responsibility. Um, obviously, the government does not like that, and that's an unresolved issue. They're saying if these networks go dark, we need to have a backdoor into them so we can see what's going on to protect children. That's a tension that it w- will play out in the, in the next few years. Which is interesting because is there a difference between a messaging platform no, there's not really. You can, can you can attach video, you can do whatever you want. And, of course, we're all arguing, well, our messages should be able to be encrypted. The cops are saying, no, we should be able to, to break into them, right? Yeah. Um, that, that's one thing. I, I was interested in, I just need to find her name, the chief executive of X, formerly Twitter, who's survived a remarkably long time. But L- Linda Yakarino. Yes, given the, the stresses uh, one has imagined, imagines attached to her job at... Uh, <laughs> at um, at X, let's face it, a few other staff have moved on. Yeah. She seemed to say that she was supportive of legislation, the Stop CSAM Act, or Stop CSAM Act, which had been introduced by the Senator Dick Durbin of mm-hmm. the Judiciary Committee, he's Democratic, or he's Democratic chairman. Um, and this was interesting to me because it would, it would open the opportunity for people to sue. And I think there's that other... Two three seven or whatever kind of yes, um, that's right, yeah. Which which provides immunity from them being sued. Yeah. And this comes back. Does it come back to that argument? Oh, we're not publishers. We're a platform. Yeah. We just put the platform. The responsibility for what happens on it's everybody else's. But it was she opening a door and saying actually she would support that legislation? Uh, yeah, I think so. But but there's also a, a, a code of practice so that if you're a responsible platform you should not get to the point where you can be sued. And this, I think, will play out in the UK around the deepfake stuff. There is a law in the UK now, the Online Safety Act, it was passed by Parliament in the UK late last year. And so in theory, all all this stuff that's floating around, these deepfakes around Taylor Swift, X in the UK should be liable for that. In the UK, but my point is, Taylor Swift, and she's probably got the wherewithal to do some Mm. suing, Taylor Swift could go after these big companies if that law was in place. 
yeah, if if uh, they were found to be negligent, if they were found to be negligent, yeah. So um, so no company they'll be lob- lobbying tooth and nail against having any more liability for deep fakes. They point out the deep fakes will be used increasingly in legitimate and legal. A lot of these deep fakes, including the Taylor Swift ones, are. are technically legal they might be breach of copyright they're using her visage but um but they will fight anything and they will want a code of practice so that they say well if we do everything right we do as much as we can in good faith we should not be sued. which is takedown prompt yep. takedown and that but, didn't but, happen in the taylor swift on we'll, it we'll get to that yeah. and the other thing is is it more than prompt takedown couldn't you be using your ai to scan of I mean, course. This, is, this is another issue. The AI is surely getting to the part where they can't say, can't see it, can't see it. You know, <laughs> they can damn well see it. And, and, and they've been able to filter out inappropriate content for a long time. As you said, today, Zuckerberg, I've got 40,000 people. I've spent billions of dollars on this. Crimea River. Well, like someone, yeah, someone yeah. worked out how much he earned a minute. Some, you know, he sees the future being AI. Why don't you, again, why don't you turn some of that technology... To, to the a real positive problem. use. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about what you wanted to begin with, which was the Taylor Swift um, porn deepfakes, which, as we said, we knew this was coming, but we knew it was here. But yeah. when it is someone so high profile, yeah. all of a sudden we're talking about it. Yeah, really interesting. And, and can this uh, really spark something? We've seen the Taylor Swift Act, which a uh, number of lawmakers pretty much on either side of the, of the house in the US are pretty energized about this. But there's um, one, Joe Morello in particular, he introduced the Preventing Deep Fakes of Intimate Images Act quite a while ago. It didn't really get much traction. Now it's back in the spotlights and a number of people in, in Congress are talking about this. So will the star power of SWIFT for something that has happened in the UK? That's a very new law over there. And um, as I say, technically what happened on, on X, because they were slow to stop the spread of this deep fake pornographic image, um, would they technically be in breach of that and therefore potentially face penalties? So help me with how it works, because of course the, the internet is boundaryless. It is um, uh, you know, a deep fake that's created in America, about an American, and posted can be viewed in the UK. Yeah, can yeah. the fact that it can be viewed in the UK mean that UK lawmakers could go after X in the UK or go after X anywhere? X yeah. in the UK? In the UK, they have to stay yeah. in this jurisdiction. In their own jurisdiction, if it's on X and it's and it's visible in in the UK, you know that UK law are applies we, to that. Are we going to see what happened with tax, where all of a sudden headquarters are going to move <laughs> away from places that are regulating? <laughs> we don't have an office there anymore. Possibly, but yeah, they have a presence in the UK, so they will be legal action would be taken against them there, and there are some hefty penalties for the Online Safety Act in the UK up to two years in prison for executives. But again, there's a big process they have to go through. They'd have to be really negligent and ignore all the warnings from Ofcom, the regulator there. And a similar sort of thing will probably eventually happen in the US. It's just all of this stuff takes so long. Anything tech-related, the lobby there is so big in Washington fighting against all of this. As one of those lawmakers said today, he said, you spent billions of dollars fighting all of these laws. That's why we don't have any. And it's true. It's just been nothing. Hopefully the antitrust stuff that's rolling out, particularly in the EU, will actually force some structural changes Remind that us address of that, this. Please. Well, Google, you know, is in the sights um, of the regulators in, you know, they're in court at the moment. Um, and now we've talked before about the fact that 
they've done these big deals with Samsung and Apple to get their Chrome browser and their search engine onto every device as the, the default search engine. That's worth billions of dollars to Google. So the regulators there are saying that's anti-competitive. You've built a monopoly on the back of this. We're going to break that up. That's what they want. In the, in the EU, they're doing the same sort of thing. So a lot of these sort of more business-focused decisions and market power decisions may actually have an impact on some of the, the free speech stuff and, and the content moderation as well. Okay. Prime is the latest streaming provider to hike its rates. Who else has been? All of them. <laughs> uh, I mean... Sky last year in December, this you know did not go down very well at all. They increased the price of neon from seventeen ninety nine to nineteen ninety nine dollars per month. And I've noticed I'm a premium neon subscriber. When I pause a show on neon, there's an ad there displaying on the screen. So I'm not happy about that because I'm not paying for a, a cheap ad-supported account for Neon. I'm paying the full amount. So I think people are, are, are starting to get a bit tetchy about this. Prime, sure, they've been around since 2016. They haven't put their price up yet, but they've suddenly jumped from 8 bucks to 11 bucks a month. That's a 38% increase. What we're going to have to see, I think, in, in New Zealand, because we don't, apart from Neon, we don't have them to date, is ad-supported, lower-cost accounts. And they won't what? do that because... They have to sell adverts here in New Zealand, and that takes too much time and effort, and they have to make sure that they are off the standard that they can be broadcast in New Zealand. That takes people on the ground. So Netflix, Prime, Disney, none of them have ad-supported How interesting. in New Zealand yet. How interesting. I was going to say, I don't actually mind the ads, and I do quite a bit of viewing, um, especially over summer, on TVNZ, TVNZ On Demand, yep. and also on 3Now, which yep. has improved its uh, app Massively, it's on demand. Massively, um, the ads are clunky on TVNZ. They sort of replay the start of it twice. They and do, they do. I was going to say, um, I find, I must admit, I find that um, three now one is a lot of junk viewing, but it's quality junk viewing over summer. <laughs> but I don't mind. So, and TVNZ, same thing. When you pause, an ad will come up, right? Yep. And I think it's about. I've been watching a lot of cricket as well, you know. They're, they're short, they're short ads. They're sh- I hate it when you're sitting there for four minutes. The day when we all used to go and make a cup of tea or whatever yeah. um, are gone. But they seem to be short, and they also seem to be quite high quality compared to the linear TV. And you know what? They're snappy. I would pay TVNZ as our state broadcaster a few bucks a month for an ad-free experience. And it just amazes me that they haven't got to that point where they – I'm sure it's in the pipeline – where they will offer premium, so ad-free experience, premium content on the TVNZ but I platform. I, I don't want to subscribe anymore. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sick of I'm sick of even trying to manage or remember or or, or, or whatever. Um, and this includes the you know the journalism websites as well. Although at yeah. least I feel like I'm contributing something there. Yeah, that, that's a hassle. I don't. What I'm saying is I could tolerate a little bit of advertising as long as it sure. is short. It's quality. It's snappy. And then we're back to what we're doing. And I'm, I think I don't. Well, that's what the research out of the US is saying is that particularly millennials, the number one reason they quote for um, for cancelling a subscription is rate increases. Fifty three percent of them said that. The rest of it, if a, if a favourite show finishes, they might cancel it. But um, they're very price sensitive, and we do have a cost of living crisis. So. We are getting to the point. Look at Sky again with Sky Sport now going from forty four ninety nine to 
to forty nine ninety nine from from today, February one. So ten percent, isn't it? Yeah. So there's only so much appetite for, for for this sort of thing. People will start to to cancel. And what's driving this is none of these companies are making a profit out of their streaming services. Paramount and Disney and Apple, they're all losing swathes of money. Even Netflix. Um, but they have content, to put the prices they're, they're up. making content, and this is what happened when Sky looked at buying. Uh, a chunk of um, TV off. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of what TV three's owners. Oh, MediaWorks. MediaWorks. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's expensive to make content, yeah. and the shareholders went no. Yeah. Uh, so I, I understand when you're generating content. I understand the challenges, but when you're kind of packaging it and on selling it, should it be? As expensive? No, you, you you shouldn't think so. And there's a glut of content. There's too much content. So they've invested heavily in you know, billions and billions collectively in this. But I think we will see this year a lot of fatigue set in around the number of platforms. And then when you're looking at, at double-digit increases every year now, there was increases last year on those platforms. They're gonna. This is going to become an annual thing. I think people will rationalise. I mean, the whole yep. point, the, the genius of Netflix when it first arrived and people got excited about it was that you just went to one place for the um, um, curation. Yeah. You know, and now there's so many and you can't have them all. So you do sit and go, okay, is it this or is it that? With TVNZ um, mm. as the public broadcaster, I, I know they've got that massive issue of the steep decline in free-to-air advertising revenue yeah. and profitability. But they are they are cracking along with what they're doing on demand, and I was trying to remember it was Kevin Kenrick's Kevin last Kenrick, report yes. about how much growth in revenue was coming, and I thought it was almost coming at a rate that was starting to offset some of the free to um, some of the free to air advertising. Got hit by the mac- sort of macroeconomic stuff in the last year. I yeah, think. yeah, because the yeah. So I get it. I I would hate to see that offering disappear behind mm-hmm. subscription because it comes back to that tension again between being the public broadcaster and being required to be commercially viable. Yeah. But um, as soon as you put up that gateway, yeah, a lot of people get cut out. Yeah. And we do have, you know, TVNZ Plus is a great service. The Freeview, you know, that's an app yep. now streaming yep. on any smart TV. Now yep. you can you access can, all can of those. Ditch. Sorry, Sky, but so, you can ditch Sky and, and go and with your I'm apps doing. and go with Freeview. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm rationalizing, and there's a new show on um, Apple, Masters of the Air. Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks mm. did it about World War Two, And I'm just going in, paying for a month, watching the whole thing, and then canceling. Mm. Okay. You can do that. If you're disciplined you're about... You're a switcher. You're a switcher. I bet you change power companies too. Yep. Um, Sky, of course, is... I mean, I'm really, I find it a really interesting company because it inherited, or its current leadership inherited a kind of dinosaur yeah. model that was kept alive by its sports hold, and now that has been eaten they away won. at. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting to see where it heads as a model. Things mm-hmm. like you can pay for recording, right? But... The time-shifted stuff is what I'm loving. Like, just being able to decide, not on Sky, but yeah. on TVNZ On Demand or whatever, I'm going to watch that that happened four hours ago now. Yeah. And they, they've got to get their heads around that for their subscribers as and well. And they've got to right? recover. Without charging. Yeah. You know? And they have to recover from what was a, a really bad launch of their new technology. Mm. You know, that was the worst launch of 2023. So many people yeah. were emailing me saying, how does this box work? Why isn't it working? <laughs> talk to Sky about it, yeah, yeah, and lots yeah. of people did, and they I, were sending I, them I back. I had the pod, because I, I was a refugee from um, 
Vodafone TV, yep. which I loved. It was the best TV service it I was. ever had. And uh, I find the pod works okay. It's yep. a little, it's a little clunky. It's a little less than perfect, but yep. actually, it's doing pretty well. But as a company, I'm still trying to work out where they sit in the picture strategically and where they're heading strategically. Well, they won the battle with Spike Sport and that was the most important thing. All the other con- types of content, they've got no real edge over. They can compete against Paramount and Disney and even their own HBO relationship, but Sport is in their DNA and they won the battle against Spike Sport. They saw them off, they bought that but material. That film content, sorry to bang on, I mean the idea that you're still scheduling when people can watch films, that's what I don't understand. You've got a wodge of you know a wodge of content here. I suppose the problem is that when you can uh, on demand, you just hoof through the content in yep. no time, right? So so then the provider's got to have sufficient new content. Yeah, to that's them. right. Yeah, and there's still a lot of people with an old Skybox, frankly, who are still watching Sky Linear, and yep. that's a very sticky audience, and they still pay a big yep. amount of money every month. Sticky audiences keep businesses going. Mm. Um, just quickly, what yeah. do we know about Elon Musk's first Neuralink embedded human brain interface chip? And my first question is, is that legal? <laughs> it is legal. Okay. It's it's had US Food and Drug Administration approval. So, And it was a bit controversial over the last couple of years. He was working with chimpanzees, fitting these brain uh, interfaces into them. And, and some good success here was able to see sort of neuron activity, even getting some of these chimps to control computer games with their thoughts. So the next logical step is to do human trials. So this is the first um, person who has had the interface embedded in their brain. And Musk, as he always does, tweeting about it. Initial results show promising neuron spike detection. So these are... Um, this is already happening, is it not, with people who um, have had paralysis? Yes. I thought they were, the medical you know, profession was already at the point where they could use a chip to get you moving your hand it, again. So. It, they are, and there's um, been some great work uh, out of a team in, in Switzerland uh, around paralysis. So I, I do believe in the next decade we will see people walking again as a result of this sort yeah. of technology, people who can't speak being able to... Yeah. Vocalize. But will Elon Musk be controlling your thoughts? Well, <laughs> that's the thing. He, I mean, he's going big picture on this. Yeah. The, his, his first product is called Telepathy, which enables you to control your phone or computer or any device just by thinking. Um, Have you seen what goes on in my head? <laughs> I've been controlling everyone's devices within a six-mile radius. <laughs> so it's starting with people to overcome um, impediments they have. That's the, the the use case. But you know what he's like. He, this is going yeah. to be like a Tesla-type device that he will want to sell as a yeah. mass-market device as well. Yep. Interesting stuff. He's always interesting. We, we give Elon a hard time. Uh, frequently deserved, but, but, but he he's an interesting keeps us character. interested. Interesting rooster, as Steve Proteus would say. <laughs>